Papercut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Gochik. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Kelly Lagosi. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Kelly. I like cigarettes a lot, but I'm trying to quit. I got a vape for my birthday on Friday. Nice. That's a new development in my life. Mm. Uh, I People could describe what I do as take pictures or I'm a photographer, but I don't necessarily see it that way. Like I use cameras, but um, I don't know. I think I see myself as more of a visual artist than just a photographer. What is your definition of photographer then? Well... I mean, someone who whose medium is to take pictures with cameras, I suppose. But um, I, I, oh, sorry, I'm all stuttery. <laughs> no, it's <That's> all right. <laughs> I put I, I put you in an interesting position with that question, so that's totally like, fair. Well, how do I define a photographer? Well, I mean, exactly what I just said: someone who takes pictures. <laughs> then, how do you define a visual artist? <sighs> These are uh, there's so much overlap, right? In between, well, photographers are visual artists. It's just how I personally, def- like, the verbiage I use to describe myself. Right. I don't think there's, like, a shit ton of difference. Sorry, I swore. No, no it's okay. We <laughs> are a swearing podcast. Yeah. Okay, thanks to Begonia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. Okay, good. Rules are meant to be broken. Great, great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, of course, there's, photographers are visual artists. Um, I describe myself as, like, it fluctuates between like photographic artist, lens-based artist, visual artist. Like these things don't really matter. It's just kind of whatever I feel works for me at the time. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because awesome. that changes just as much as like how I identify gender-wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, I'm very fluid in all respects, art and, and gender. It's always in flux. Nice. Yeah. And cool. when did you start as a visual artist? Um. Well, taking it as seriously as I have been probably about two year not even like maybe a year actualized as the thing i am currently but i've been taking pictures for a really long time about 10 years do you remember your first camera yes it was shitty do you know what it's called oh yeah no it was it's like not even a a cool camera it was like (laughs) a digital like a little digital camera that my dad got me when i was 15 Mm -hmm. but my first film camera um, was a Minolta XG1. And that's cooler? It was my first love. Wow. It was a really, really, really amazing camera. And you still have it? No. No? No, it, um, it stopped functioning properly for some reason. I got rid of it, but I've since replaced it with a another Minolta. Oh, I was just going to say, mm. if anybody needs to buy you a belated birthday present, yeah. that would be pretty yeah. big, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I bought myself a new, a new camera over the last couple of weeks and that's my new workhorse but i'm a pretty diehard for uh minolta's it's my favorite brand of camera why i don't know they just they've always been reliably awesome nice. i i don't have like a bunch of like facts to pull out about minolta's mm-hmm. for you i i do know that the camera that i shoot the most with when i shoot 35 millimeter film is uh the first ever like automatic like autofocus film camera ever Mm. which is really cool from the mid 80s it's called the minolta maxim 7000 wow. very space age yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's a great camera. So noisy as hell, but awesome. Noisy? Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, like actually loud? Like, the focus is like... <laughs> it sounds like a race car. Science working. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the first computer camera. If you, like, if, if you think of, like, point and shoots from when we were kids, you know, like, the... That before DSLRs, I don't know. I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say. Damn it, I, I lost what I was going to try and explain. I know what you mean though. Like when you had the point and shoots, and you would like go in and out, and you can hear everything in the camera moving. Yes, and it's like it's working overtime. Just yeah, so you can get your shot. Exactly. Yes. So an autofocus is like a computer. No, an autofocus would be like I, you could probably better describe it, or if I'm screwing it up. But if you're like zooming in on something, it's going to focus automatically for you. But how does it focus automatically? It's science. <laughs> <laughs> well, a manual focus camera, like a, like a, say, like a, a camera from like the 70s, like a metal bodied SLR camera. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, you have to manually focus with the lens. Right. And fine tune your focus that way. Mm-hmm. Um, with more, more modern film cameras. And when I say modern, I mean like from like the mid 80s onward. Mm-hmm. Like... There's a little little computer buddy in there that'll when you press the button it'll yeah, yeah. it'll so do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's all. I can't explain how it works. Right, I'm not. That I had a smart. good conversation with Jen about um, like an autofocus because Jen was teaching me to take photographs at Real Love, mm. and I tried to. I was like focusing, and Jen was like, "Stop that!" Like. Autofocus is your best friend Saves and it's you time. here for a reason and you're like, what are you going backwards for? Like, pay attention to composition and this and that. And it's like the last thing, just put it on autofocus and stop doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you okay. know, that's kind of, that's kind of why I was attracted to the more automatic Monolta camera was because it saved me time mm-hmm. when I was out working. I like when I did more like street based photography where like I'm, I'm, out in the world and just like shooting as I see things happen it saves me time from having to like perfectly focus I could just like make something up make a composition happen and then just like it'll focus for me mm-hmm. and then I won't have to worry about like making yeah. it perfect because it will already be perfect because you got a little buddy in there you got a little buddy in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know so what I'm talking about you like shooting film over digital yeah and my reason for it isn't at all like film like purist like I I don't think film is necessarily better than digital. It's really just my preference. I like the character of what it produces and like what it could do for my ideas and how my ideas are executed on film. I like more like I feel like the emotion of what I'm trying to like what I'm trying to convey comes across more genuinely when I shoot with film. I just feel like digital for my work is really flat and doesn't produce what I want it to, Hmm. but I'm. Well, I don't care what other people do. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to tell a single person like you should shoot film over digital. There's so many reasons why digital is better than film too, but it's just not for me. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, when you're doing a shoot, say like on your Instagram, for example, you have like uh, photo shoots with people. Is that one roll of film per person? I like. To do it that way, it would be more economical if I, like, shot a couple of a person and then, like, on one roll and then another person on it and, like, try and get the most out of one roll. But I like options and I like taking my time. But I don't know. There's ways where I could, like, optimize and, like, be more, like, economical with it, I suppose. But, like, I don't know. I, I'm a broke artist. I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll spend all of my money on film probably till I'm dead. It's okay. 
Cool. I'm fine with that. Do they still make film cameras? Like like new, new ones. New ones. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. I believe so. I mean, I know Lomography, a company that I think is based out of New York. I shouldn't know more about them because they're like responsible for a lot of like film revival stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure they make cameras. They also refurbish cameras. Oh, a lot cool. of like Polaroid refurbishment happens where like they'll make a shitty old one brands making new and sell it for like three hundred dollars yeah that's a thing so um yeah sorry continue i'm trying to think of who else makes new film cameras i think leica maybe but mm, i don't i don't know lots of refurbishment though interesting is it an expensive hobby because film is more scarce now <laughs> it's expensive if you're like me um <laughs> and like i am always in like a constant state of experimentation like i'm i'm never like really satisfied with the way something is like I'm always happy to get a new camera or try a new kind of film or buy new bits and pieces or gear or whatever and like that's that's expensive like I won't lie my my practice is not something anybody could afford like any person I guess it's just like I work really hard so that I can do what I do that's awesome yeah I'm cuckoo <laughs> so you you uh, also develop film, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, so can you take us through the process of what that is? Because I have no idea how it works. Sure. Yeah. Well, I do color development, which is a different process from black and white. And I think most people who still develop film do black and white processing because most in most cities with a camera shop, like Dawn's or Photo Central or, or anywhere, they'll usually stock black and white chemicals. Like it's not that like out of the ordinary to see those things on the shelf mm -hmm. but c41 process which is like is what color film processing is called you can't off you don't often see those chemicals in store so if you live in winnipeg you have to order them online mm -hmm. and it's not very expensive for me at least it's about 40 dollars to have them shipped like all all up all expenses 40 dollars. they come in from quebec for me um it's the best deal i've found Mm -hmm. uh, through like a company in rural Quebec who just does a bunch of film supply stuff and cool. yeah they're the best I have a, like a long-standing relationship with this really tiny company in nowhere right other side of the country um I'd love to meet uh Jacques one day I don't know I wonder what he's like anyway <laughs> uh they come to my door um the chemicals come in it's three steps it's developer uh Blix which is bleach fix mm -hmm. um, and stabilizer. They come in, um, they come as powder uh, and you have to mix them. You feel like a real like chemist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got all kinds of like, well, you get like fumes like high off of them if you don't. No, like, well, you won't get high off of them unless you're trying right, to. Right. <laughs> if, if you're trying to get high off of them, then maybe, right. but like, <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll explain, like, what that, what mixing them up is like. The developer, when you mix a developer up, like, I know all the exact measurements. I won't run you through that because you could look it up. But, like, when, <laughs> when you mix a developer, it's a very, like, benign-looking process. You put water in, like, a, a measurement container and then put the powder in and mix it. And it's like, that's done. And it's, it doesn't, like, make any noises or sizzle or anything. Mm. But... The Blix does it. Right. It does like this wild endothermic reaction. There's there's two components that make the Blix up. 
and um, you put the first powder in with water, mix it up a little bit, and then slowly add the other one. And it heats up and sizzles and like makes all these crazy sounds and turns blood red. Whoa. So I feel like I'm like, I can, <laughs> in my head, like lights are flashing. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like yeah. a mad scientist. Right, Every right. time I mix it, I just feel really cool. Um, <laughs> and the stabilizer is, is very like, there's nothing to it. It's a very small, quiet little thing. Um, and that's, and then you bottle them up in lightproof bottles, I guess. Like amber bottles is my preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to run through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Cause this is nerd shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is and not... there's going to be some nerds that are like, there's yeah, also probably going to be some nerds and be like, and that's not how you knew it, but I don't really. Well, they're not here. <laughs> yeah, so. they can they can at me they if, can, they, if they want. <laughs> <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I store them in amber bottles. Um, it makes one liter each of each um, chemical process. Mm-hmm. The developer Blixen stabilizer. And how long did those last? They. Uh, it depends on how you store them and how they're used, and like there's there's ways that they can spoil faster. There's like a lot of, of variables for, for the chemicals, and okay. I'll, I'll explain that in a second. Sure. But um, well, I can explain that right now. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the instructions that come with the kits that I buy says that they should last about eight rolls of film, mm-hmm. if like stored in the right darkness and like temperature and everything. They should last eight. But then there's like a little caveat at the bottom that's like with a star, and it says. This is not necessarily true. They can last longer. Like, <laughs> right. there's no real rhyme or reason. I mean, in the process of developing film, you might lose a bit of your chemicals. Like, it might the tank that you develop the film in might leak a little bit, or like you might spill a little bit, or whatever. And like, then there'll be air in your container, and that kind of ages it faster. It oxidizes. And um, what else makes it age faster? If you overheat them, mm-hmm. if they're stored some, yeah, if they're stored somewhere warm. So do you have like a, a lab in your house? No, no, I don't have a lab in my house. I have a table. Uh, <laughs> I feel like all of these science things happen in a lab. No, I mean, I wish. I wish that I had like a super clean, like none of my cats are around space <laughs> where I can do this. But I mean, actually, I just moved. I'm moving into a studio space cool. like two day like, oh, later oh. today, Congrats. I'm getting my keys. Yeah, thank you. I'm sharing it with a bunch of folks downtown above Parlor, so I'm very Wow, that's excited. a sweet space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's great. And the space has, like, a full kitchen, and, like, it never gets used. So I can use that area for all of my, like, chemistry things and developing film in, and the folks that I share with are said it's fine because they don't, they don't use that space for cooking, so it won't be contaminating anybody's food. Cool. Yeah. So it doesn't need to actually be a dark room to No, develop? no. See, and this is the so next nice. part of it. Like, actually <laughs> developing the film. Now, I explain, like, how the chemicals come to be. Um, you need darkness when you take the film out of the film canister. You know, when a, like, a little roll of film comes in that little metal canister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have to crack those open, take out a little reel of film, and obviously you can't expose that film to light, so... The way that a lot of people, especially like press photographers back in the day when they needed to develop film on the go, they would like, they have this bag 
and it has armholes mm-hmm. and it's this like big leather mine's leather at least leather bag that you stick your arms in you put all your tools in your film development tank um scissors bottle opener to crack open the film you put that all inside uh, stick your arms in and like do the whole loading of the film process blindly. No way. Into Whoa. yeah. So you have to like get a feel for how to do this. Maybe like get a crappy roll of film or one that you don't care about. Right. Practice so you can see it. Feel how you load it up and then do it without being able to see it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it. It probably looks like you're diffusing a bomb or something. It kind of does. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a it's a funny bag. Like it's hard to explain. It looks kind of like a leather jacket that's. It, that you can't wear like it doesn't have a neck hole it doesn't open up it's just like two armholes that you can stick your arms into yeah. and there's like a big space to put all your well, stuff in yeah you look about as cool as wearing a leather jacket anyways. yeah <laughs> i look really silly it's a very funny thing and i'm like making all this bananas noise like there's stuff cracking open and like metal clinking and using scissors without being able to see is scary sometimes and then ta-da it's a rabbit yeah right. well actually it is it's really cool because you put in all the pieces into this weird bag yeah you put this film on this special reel you put it inside of a development tank screw that closed put uh, another like light proof lid on it and then take it out and it's like this little plastic tank called a patterson tank and you can buy those online too mm-hmm. yeah you can't i don't think you can buy them locally unless someone gets them used i actually got most of my first darkroom stuff on kijiji mm. a lot of well not a lot of people but people often like thin out their old film photography stuff and put it on the internet so you can keep an eye out there if you want to do it yourself. So in this, uh, but film is small and pictures are big. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that happen? To big. Sure, sure. Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, like enlarging with an enlarger. Have you ever seen a film enlarger before? No. So it looks like... How... I know nothing. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like um, a microscope and an overhead projector. Mm-hmm. It looks, it's just like a, a thing that has um, a bed where you put the photographic paper and then a lens and then a little place where you put your film negative. You know what a negative is, yeah. like the little little thingy. From the canister, from, right? from the film, yeah. Okay. Film negatives is the developed film, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right on. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's cool. It's I'm cool. listening. I, I keep forgetting to say yes because I'm like... My brain is working pretty overtime. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So, um, printmaking, like making prints from negatives mm-hmm. in that way, like the way they they did before scanning. Okay. Like with a scanner. Right. Um, has to be done in in darkness or like with a with that light, the red light that you know from TV and movies. Right. That, that's what dark rooms look like. And like, yeah. Puppet with the thing yeah, yeah and they could be, yeah exactly and it goes in like the baths and like you take it out with the tongs or whatever and you yeah 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 so that process that's printmaking that's done in that red light room oh. and since i shoot color i like i can't afford to make that happen like i used to have an enlarger but i never got around to buying those fixing chemicals and all the things that make prints happen mm-hmm. I can't even really speak to the process of printmaking properly because I've never done it. Okay, so so if you're developing film into making, like, when I was little, 
you just take your roll of film and you take it to Superstore and you come back with pictures. Yeah. So what the this is the picture making making process? Yes, of the physical print. Uh, okay. So you're you were asking like how does a negative become a big picture, right? Cuz film, yeah, yeah. film is small and pictures are big and that's like a totally valid question cuz it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to someone who doesn't shoot film. Right. Um yeah, so there's enlarging, and you can read about enlargers on the internet. I'm sorry, I can't no, no, explain it. <laughs> I, I kind of know how they work in my head. Like, it makes sense to me. So you have to take them somewhere to make prints. If I want prints made, yes. But how I get the pictures onto my computer from developing them in my okay, house, yeah, yeah. you can... Most scanners, like a lot of scanners, have film scanning capabilities, which is really neat. Like, for some reason, companies like Canon, like my scanner, or like Epson, or whatever scanning, printing, printer maker people, um, are still have, like, film in mind. Cool. Which is interesting. And uh, there's these little film negative holders that you slide your negative into, and you close the scanner, and whatever, whatever, like, scanning software you have, you select, like, I'm scanning color film, and... It'll Whoa. scan your negatives for you, just like with a normal flatbed scanner. Like, you really? can totally buy one from Staples, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, yeah. I was just like, in this whole process, I was like, when does the big pictures come out? But now I understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a, yeah, there's, the world of scanning negatives at home is, it's pretty, pretty popular with a lot of, like, film photographers. It's, it's just a cheaper way of... Right. Well, that's, I think that's why a lot of people do develop their own film, because it's, it's hard to support local businesses who develop film and, and make pictures happen for people because mm-hmm. it's really expensive and it's not it doesn't mean they're shitty it's just it's not as popular as it used to be mm-hmm. yeah yeah are there a lot of places locally or <laughs> my favorite place to get film developed if i don't want to do it myself which sometimes happens because it, it's a lot of work like it takes a couple hours out of my day if i have uh, several roles to do and don't always want to do that but my favorite place to go is london drugs yeah. nice it's <laughs> awesome they're the last place in the city that still does one hour photo or like it's more like one day photo thanks. yeah no, thanks London drugs. London they drugs. are the real mvps they yeah. they are the best they are why i started shooting film as much as i did because they were so awesome like so fast i would drop off a couple rolls of film go read a book at chapters mm-hmm. and then like my film would be ready and i'd have pictures and it was the most magical thing ever that was like four years ago when mm-hmm. i would go there all the time but now that I think people have caught on, gotten wise to the fact that London Drugs does this, it takes more like a whole day. It's like a right. 24-hour mm. photo, which is fine. People are abusing the system now. They know. They know <laughs> yeah. that they're the fa- it's the fastest place. Like Don's, there's advantages to getting your film done at Don's or Photo Central or whatever. Yeah, Don's is about a week, eh? About a week, but also, like, if you drop your film off at Photo Central, it's just going to Don's, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they all go to the same place. Lab mm-hmm. works on Main Street. So, like, you may as well just take it to Main Street Dawns and get your stuff done there because I think it'll I think it'll be faster because then there's, like, that middleman in between you, Photo Central, and Dawns. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that Dawns and Photo Central take a little while. And I really don't like to wait. So that's why I started developing also. Yeah, understandable. Like, I shoot something and I, like, I need to see it as soon as I possibly can. And is that because of the digital aspect? Like, you know, if you were to have a digital camera, you could see that shot immediately, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, you know, I guess, like, the way that I kind of... Yeah. No, you you got it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no like, I, I like 
I like I like that about digital. I don't what I don't like about shooting digital for myself is I don't like taking a picture and then staring at the screen on my camera and being like, oh, this one's good. Oh, oh, like I don't like fussing over it like that. So I kind of like make my own process up in that I shoot film. I don't have to like look at the screen and like fuss over it. I just focus on making the pictures as well as I think I can. And then I can develop them right away. And that's like my happy medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a double entendre if you think about it. Happy medium. <laughs> happy medium. <laughs> yeah. That used to be, before I understood uh, photography, that used to be the one thing that would bug me so much is when someone would take a picture and then look at it. They call it chimping. I'm like, like chimp, mm. like you're a monkey. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, pay attention. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on stage right now. Can you please, like, watch <laughs> this instead of doing that? But, yeah. oh, my God. What, what, what? Sorry, I just... At the beginning of this podcast, I said I like to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and in my hand, I'm holding four oh. very crumpled cigarettes oh. that I forgot that my partner gave me, and I put in my pocket like a dummy. Are they completely broken? No, they're not. They're just they're crumpled. Wow. Thank God. Yeah. Wow. I'm... Thanks. I just remembered. I was like, yeah. I'm sitting kind of funny. I thought you had a roll of film in your pocket. No. <laughs> Let's I've... do this now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Thank gosh. Yeah. That is awesome. So chimping. Is there any other funny words for like photographer things that <sighs> us normies don't know? Normies. <laughs> the common folk. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of. Chimping is like the funniest one for sure. There probably are, honestly. There are photographers out there who are like have all this verbiage that I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what are you saying? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, yeah. But chimping's the one. Chimping's funny. Yeah, that's the one that I, that I learned it. Because yeah. I, I don't like to do it. That's why I know what it is. Right. But yeah. Go. No, you go. <laughs> okay. okay yeah. <laughs> that's even worse by saying no, you go. Every time we do this, it always ends up being the same question. <laughs> and the other person's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. mine is probably different than yours. Okay, Can I pick which one? Can I oh, pick? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. You. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, crap. I oh, forgot you question. forgot your question? <laughs> <laughs> because I was thinking. I was like... Okay, I'm, I want to know about um, if you're on a job and have to take film, like a take a picture with film, like, is that scary to trust the film when uh, it's like for work like if it messes up then you're screwed that was better than mine that, no that's <laughs> yeah. a great question because yeah. i've been looking at your uniter photos and your like your your photography your visual art whatever <laughs> you call it, it whatever you want it's it fine. is well no, it's your choice it's <laughs> it's your work but yeah. oh my gosh it's so cool like just a a story about like something that you just like what possibly could the picture be of and it's just like yeah that that's exactly it it's perfect you know it's just like a really beautiful photograph that i think that you like when you look at the free press you don't really understand that somebody's like taking those pictures and putting like some sort of like it must take so much skill and your photos to me just take like an extra sort of like I look at the picture a little bit longer, you know, and I like want to read the story because of the picture. I don't know. Anyways. That's really cool. I wish I knew what you were talking about There's specifically. There's one where there, <laughs> I believe it's like a star blanket oh, I in the didn't... back of a... You didn't take that photo? I did not take that picture. Oh, it's if so it's cool, about if, if the piece is about Kenneth Lavely's star blankets, I wrote the piece, but 
No, it's it's inside a, a studio or something. Oh, Arts Junction. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like the very yeah. back of the thing, there's a star blanket, star blanket with all of these shelves that yes. are on either side. And it's kind of like a tunnel to mm-hmm. this star blanket. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I loved taking those pictures. And last year at the beginning of the Earth Uniter, I kind of had this like resolve that I would shoot as much film as I could for the paper that I could get away with. Right. <laughs> and... It didn't work out because I didn't have the time to do that because I work for the Uniter quite a bit. Like I I take photos for them, but I also do all of our online content, social media and that. And like when you say like online content coordinator, it doesn't sound like it's like a a heckin busy job, but it it is. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of a lot of thinking, maintenance and strategizing and like it's it's hours a week for sure. Right. Um, And I write I wrote last year more than I ever wrote. Are you ever in my life? Like an employee, like on staff? Yeah, oh yeah. So, what's your position title there? Uh, I am staff photographer and online content coordinator. And, like, writer is an official title, but I, like, I was about to say, I wrote more last year than I had ever written in my, like, life in general. Like, I I wrote a lot of, a lot of things, which was really cool. Um, Yeah, so between all of that stuff, I, like, couldn't really, I, I didn't really want to shoot film for the paper. And anymore, I did when, when I felt like I had time. Mm-hmm. But I started the year. I was like, I'm gonna do this. And the first like couple of issues, there is like actually a lot of film work in it, which is absolutely unique. Like there's there's no other film work in the paper, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I guess I'm not trying to be different. It's just what I like. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not trying to be that bitch. I'm just. Just what just I like. That bitch. I'm just, I really am that bitch, aren't I? I <laughs> um, yeah, those photos. I of think ours. that's the first time I've ever said that to a guest. I am so yeah. sorry. No, it's great. It's fine. It's fine. I love it. It's all good. Great. Um, those photos of Arts Junction though are really great, and I'm glad that you remembered them. Mm-hmm. I really like them too. I was really and and when on a job coming back to what you actually asked me. Right, for sure. <laughs> I, like, asked you a question, and then I complimented you a bunch. So. And then I was like, well, like, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it is. It, it can be scary. How but, many photos did you take there? I think half a roll, but I, I shot that on... Um, How many are on a roll? Well, I shot that on 35, and, it prob- and I don't think I used fancy film. I didn't start using professional-grade film until the last, like, eight months, mm-hmm. which is bananas to me. I don't know why I wasn't doing it sooner. It's also, like, really expensive, so kind of makes sense. Um, I would have shot 12 photos there. And, you know, when you have a digital camera, you can just be like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, machine gun. Yeah. You can shoot for five minutes and have, like, a thousand pictures. Right. Um, but when at work and trying to tell a story for the paper, and I only have 12 photos to work with, I'll spend, instead of spending, like... I don't know, the 10 minutes I might have if I were shooting digital, I'll spend like 40 minutes and I'll also talk to the people that I'm, who are there. Mm-hmm. Not that it's even really my job as a photographer to like talk with or interview the people that are in the space. Like it wasn't, unless like I have to take their photo for the article, unless they're like someone that's featured in the piece, I suppose then I do. Mm-hmm. But I like to warm people up a little bit with my charms. 
<laughs> just because it makes better pictures yeah like yeah. i could take a picture of you laughing right now and it'd be a good picture mm-hmm. like it just well it, yeah you've warmed me up but it may it just <laughs> you if when people are are feeling happy and relaxed and yeah, like yeah. they're relating to another person you can get a better sense of who they are in a picture for sure and that's mm-hmm. kind of always my practice with the paper if i have the time to do it yeah sometimes it's a fact of life and there isn't time to like get to know every person you photograph but I try my best to do that a bit because I absolutely hate taking photos of people when they don't look like they're having a good time. Like I, I've done shoots with people like on my own time in my art practice where the subject looked uncomfortable and I never published the pictures because I hated them. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the person's fault. It's just that I don't like the way the pictures turn out. They don't have to feel bad about being uncomfy. Mm -hmm. It's just like I can tell and that's not like the quality that I want to put out because if you look uncomfortable that doesn't reflect good upon me i don't feel like i want you to feel good yeah Yeah, and if i didn't do my job yeah if i didn't do my job making you feel like you belonged and felt happy then like i don't want to publish those pictures yeah right so do you have a go-to for warming people up no 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 No, every person's different i just just try and get as much small talk happening as possible and i don't know i uh, usually offer something about myself in a very like casual way it's it's hard to be specific because every situation in person is different yeah like in arts junction it say like if the person working at arts junction that i had to photograph for the article this is all like hypothetical and not real there they were very easy to take pictures of but um say if they were feeling like really anxious about having their photo taken i might like talk about you know why when I came to Arts Junction for the first time and how much I love the space and, like, get into it a little bit about the organization just so that they feel like I'm interested in them mm-hmm. and that they're, like, wanted. Because, like, that, I think that's what everybody wants right? at the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> I think, yeah. 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 What's your go-to to warm someone up? Um, it used to be a joke, mm. but I found <laughs> that I would, like... <laughs> And like you said, every situation is different. So I always, like, I, I would find that some situations didn't warrant a joke. <laughs> oh, God. It depends like, on what you're working with. Yeah, like, it could be yeah. really inappropriate to do that. Yeah, and I, I could be tone deaf sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes a joke wasn't a great idea. I but think, just yeah. like, hey. I think your greatest, like, what a photographer's greatest strength is, like, their ability to read, like, with their eyeballs a situation and, like, the vibe of a environment that's so important like if you can't read the room and like get a sense like at least a vague sense of how people in that room are feeling or like just the general environment then like your photos are probably not going to be very good yeah in my opinion no and all of the (laughs) photographers we've had on they made a point to all talk about reading a room understanding your subject and that is so important that influences your composition too because if you can read the room and get like a feel for you know, is this a, is this kind of a heavy space? Am I entering a space where people aren't feeling feeling good, but I still have to do my job and, and document space? Like, that could change the drama of your picture and how you shoot your pictures and what you have in mind. Yeah. And if, like, if you can't read the room and you walk into the room and you're, like, trying to take, like, face-first photos, like, nice, like, portraits of people, and they're like, stop that. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't even want to know you're here. Like, disappear. Like, right. Oh, well, then how do you would or uh, how would you approach uh, a protest or somewhere where it's not necessarily 
necessary to kind of warm up the crowd like mm-hmm. no you don't have the opportunity yeah you can't stand in front of a group of people who are doing something really important <laughs> yeah. like hey everybody yeah. i'm here yeah, to take your safe. picture yeah. i mean it would be cool if i could be like hey everybody i'm here to take your picture if you don't want that let me know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that would be cool right but i mean yeah because there isn't always the opportunity to ask ask for explicit consent especially with like public spaces like protests like it's difficult to stop people from if we're really going to use protests as like an example stop people from like yelling or chanting or or fighting or whatever it is they're doing to be like excuse me can i take your picture right like yeah yeah. i i approach that with like shoot don't be right up in people's faces stand back use your zoom if you're if i'm going to be shooting digital in those kinds of situations i'm probably going to shoot a digital camera Mm -hmm. because that seems important and like i don't want to risk film not turning out there are situations where i don't shoot film and something like a protest or something really important for work for the uniter or for some sort of job i'll probably shoot digital do you bring both ever i do yeah i do if i shoot like portraits of people where it's like okay i'm gonna take your portrait for this piece and they know mm-hmm. i'll shoot a film shot or two um but lately for work i've just been shooting digital my personal practice is like 1000 percent film right but my work at the paper pro- uh, process is digital just because i i really just wanted to be as reliable as possible and also fast because i'm busy right i've got yeah. like three two three different jobs there and i just want to streamline my process so i can spend the rest of my time working on my personal work so yeah so yeah. Can we talk about your personal work? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you choose a subject for your portraits? Uh, Are they all your friends? No, not always. I, I cold call a lot of people on the internet, honestly. I I shoot pretty much exclusively queer people. Mm-hmm. I don't go around asking. Like, if I like the look of somebody, I'm not going to be like, hey, are you queer? I'll probably just, like, ask them to pose for me and, like, do it anyway, like, if someone's... Mm-hmm throwing out a vibe that i really like then i'll take their photo regardless but like it's kind of just turned into photographing like trans people and non-binary people and people within like lgbtq etc community mm-hmm. um i didn't really go out with that intention um but that's what it's turned into and i'm happy with that i'm happy to be exclusive and not make space for people who i don't identify or understand right <laughs> so yeah yeah so how do you send an email this is an interesting <laughs> like how do you ask someone without being creepy because like i know friends of mine will be like yeah this guy <laughs> messaged me and said he wanted to take my picture it's just like uh, oh god and then blocked. Yeah. You see blocked. The instagram comments like, of course yeah, like, of course wake up. <laughs> of course and i i see that i've been subject to it right i'm not yeah i i used to be in pictures more but now i've grown to really hate it so i've been on the receiving end of like creepy propositions from photographers I've heard from other people being propositioned by photographers how, like, gross and, like, exploitative and weird that can feel and be. Um, the thing about being a extremely queer person approaching other queer people, mm-hmm. there's, like, a, a higher level of trust. Like, I am not a cisgender man, white guy, straight white guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
being like, hey, I really like your vibe. Let's link up sometime. But do you say that? Do you no. say, hey, I really like So how do I actually, con- yeah, yeah, how yeah. do I like propose to people to take their picture? Right. Um, often it'll be people who already follow me and I'll like catch wind of them one way or another and be like, oh, you're already familiar with my work. So that's easy. Right. And be like, hey, I think you're really great. I photograph queer people. Would you like to have your picture taken sometime? It's super just nothing. It's like not like... I think you're really beautiful and like I like your hair like I don't I don't right, right. I don't fuss with that because like it doesn't I don't need to do that mm-hmm. I don't need to go on about the way you look because I don't know how you feel about it right and I don't know how that'll make you feel I just like would you like to have your picture taken sometime it won't cost you anything you'll have pictures say no if you don't want to mm-hmm. and most people say yes cool so that's how I do it that's nice. how I go about it. And a lot of people message me too. And they're like, or like reply to things on, on the internet. Like, oh, I love this. And I'll be like, hey, do you want to have your picture taken? Like, <laughs> I just jump on any opportunity I have to take photos of queer people. And they're usually like, heck yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. So when someone comes, do they choose an outfit to wear? Or are you choosing what they wear? Or do they choose how to do their hair, makeup, whatever they want to do is all up to them? Yeah, no, it's all up to them. I, I don't really give a lot of direction unless I'm working on a series of things that like has like a a thing going about it right um like a I'm, specific theme or... yeah then maybe I'll make suggestions but like I I tell them what I like to see but it's not like you don't have to do anything with that like I personally love bright colors mm-hmm. but if you don't like bright colors you don't have to wear them I'm just telling you that I think bright colors are great and you don't have to be afraid of like wearing like something kind of out of your comfort zone with me because I think it looks awesome and like I mean just encouraging mm-hmm. generally like people to wear whatever they think will look great I don't care right like the coolest like one of my favorite things about taking pictures is that cameras can kind of lie a little bit in that like if you think you look kind of shit like y- you can make it look better in a camera I don't know. That's just how that's something I've always thought. Mm-hmm. Like I build sets a lot. You can see that in some of my recent work where like I'll tear apart a room in my house and build a weird like dreamland in that room. Mm-hmm. And to the naked eye without a camera, without a picture, it looks like garbage. <laughs> you can see tape and it looks bad and like it doesn't look good. And you take a photo of it with someone in it, and it looks amazing. And you can't tell how bad it looks. Like, I don't know. I think you have, well, great composition, obviously, as part of that. Because I was looking at some of, like, even just of Jen, I was like, there's flowers in the way, and there's, like, garbage in the back. Like, what is this picture, and how did how does it look so great? Like, it what? looks amazing. What photo of Jen are you thinking of? The one with the flowers, like, oh, in front of Jen's yeah, face that we yeah, actually yeah. used on our Instagram. Yeah, we used that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very but, nice. like, I was looking in the background. The one that we used of Jen was a much closer one, but one that was, like, uh, farther out. And it was just, like, regular stuff in the background, but it all looked so beautiful. And it just, just looks like, natural. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's it important thing for my work too is that i i try not to go overboard with making things perfect Mm -hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't look like my life or like a real environment to me when everything's perfect 
I feel like that's one of the things I do most often is if I'm like taking a picture, like right now I'd be like, okay, take your backpack off the couch, like straighten out the pillows, you know, mm. like make sure that everything kind of like looks, you know, there's well, nothing distracting from it. But it depends on what you want. I don't know. What I want. Like, it, I mean, <laughs> if you're coming at it from like a more of like a documentarian perspective, mm-hmm. don't change it. Right. Don't change it because... <laughs> then it's not what you're looking at. If you wanted to take a photo of me right now sitting on the couch with, like, pillows and nothing's, like, perfect and there's a remote visible mm-hmm. and, like, there's my backpacks are the pillows are all, like, askew, like, it wouldn't look like a real... Like, that looks like you you cleaned it up a bit. You, like, doctored the scene a little. Right. Mm. Actually, I had, like, a weird moral thing yesterday at work where I was taking photos on campus and there was a poster... Uh, visible that and it kind of ruined my shot but I was like I just want to tear that poster down so bad and I was about to do it and I was like wait that's totally 1000% against the rules what am I doing like I can't do that because that's not journalism you can't alter a scene because you think it looks better oh that's interesting so as a journalist would you just move where you're standing rather than the environment you're not allowed to move you move your body you don't touch anything you're not you're not there to to doctor anything you're supposed to be documenting it you can move and kind of like change your perspective a bit i mean something like a poster is it's really not like it's of no consequence but morally and ethically in journalism you shouldn't be like altering anything Mm. there's there's a whole like code of ethics on the internet photographers journalists well it's all there yeah i should have read that probably it's 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 good to brush (laughs) up on and and just as yeah if you're interested in in documenting things even not as like a a, from a journalist perspective or working for a newspaper or publication it's still super interesting to read Mm -hmm. the like the ethics and standards that people hold themselves to when when documenting the world Mm -hmm. it's definitely cool we had chris kirpin do you know who chris kirpin is i know who they are but i don't know them he he would take uh like videos Mm -hmm. of like concerts and stuff and he just has like stacks and stacks of all these videos of concerts and i was thinking like I don't know why I just, like, all of a sudden felt this pressure. Like, I need to be documenting these things. Like, who's taking pictures of, like, your friends, like, jamming in the basement? Nobody. Nobody's taking They're just putting these on Instagram, like, 10-second videos, and then they disappear. And it's just like, uh, nobody knows how cool Grandpa was. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So. That's really not. Yeah, we're making it seem a lot funnier than it actually was. I'm. There was a bit of a hiccup. It accidentally stopped recording, and you missed a lot of really good premium content that we can't go back to, unfortunately. Yeah, for sponsors and subscribers, yeah. uh, for next <laughs> the time. premium content. Yeah. If you if you would have paid for this episode, you, you would have gotten got all of that. Uh, That's not true. <laughs> what was the last question you were asking me? Yes, that was I was really talking about the importance of documenting and responsibility of documentation of people and places and things and what you had started talking about was um sort of a snapshot of the queer community in winnipeg and how that you feel archiving that is important yeah well yes um i wish that i could go back and remember like what i said before because i really i felt it was really eloquent yeah it was super eloquent (laughs) but uh yeah i think it's very important to document queer history and not only in winnipeg but i'd like to expand and travel and, and meet people and and uh, document folks all over the country, North America, all over the place. Wow. It's, yeah, no, it's definitely on my 
on the horizon for me. I'd like to travel and just do that for a while. For sure. How would you link up with people in other places? The internet, baby. Just the internet. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a beautiful thing. There's a couple of like very specific niche, like LGBT, et cetera, hashtags that I follow on Instagram that like connect me to a lot of really awesome non-binary artists or trans artists or whatever and or models or whoever or just people who don't necessarily do an artistic thing but just are around and uh, get in touch with them that way and it's as simple as being like hey I'm gonna be in Brussels want to hang out and most people are gonna be like yeah like they're not gonna be like oh this is fucking weird like maybe some people but like I'm like hey I'm a photographer from Canada a queer photographer from Canada I'll be preface with that if i'm connecting with another queer person and they're usually gonna be like yeah of course like welcome mm-hmm. so it's a it's a global community of, of people so so just for someone who say they just want to take portraits this is their first day with a camera and they want to take a portrait what are your like one two three like things that you need to know about taking portraits that's not obviously like it's your art form as well so like don't Reveal your most oh, I don't have an, darkest secrets. I don't have any secrets. Um, first day with a camera, how do you... Hmm. After you know how to use it. After you know how to use first it. First day of your portrait project. <laughs> um, okay, so the rule of thirds, I guess. Keep it in mind. It's like the most basic composition tip ever. And is, should I explain? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So your, your frame... It's divvied up into three, like, chunks, mm-hmm. <laughs> into thirds, one, two, three, mm-hmm. um, and composing within, keeping them kind of in mind, like, don't have the tip of your subject's head at the top of the frame, like, kind of have it at the top of the, or, like, in the middle of the line of the top third and middle third. I, it's hard to explain. Right. So there's a line between the top third and the middle third, and you want their head sort of there. So you have like a nice breathing clearance. room, breathing, breathing room around room. your subject, I guess, cool. is, is kind of like what I like to call it is like I like my subjects I like as if they're like autonomous, like the pictures themselves are like living things. Like they need to have a little bit of like breathing room in space because mm-hmm. it's just like it's easier to rest your eyes on. Like looking at an image where it's like super cropped on someone's face or, or portrait is like it doesn't doesn't feel comfy to look at which is like a real thing like images that are comfortable to look at is real yeah (laughs) um what's another thing uh use your environment like don't be fussed about the background necessarily like kind of unfocus your eyes and like get a sense of the color of the room this is like some silly like abstract shit but i'm looking to my left and the light in the dining room over there is yellowish and if a person was sitting in front of me on the couch with that light in the background, the background would be a warm yellow, and that could look really nice. Ta-da! <laughs> you don't need a background. You don't need money. You just right. need to look. And there's stuff out in the world that you can photograph people in front of and make beautiful pictures. So that's another thing. The last one, um, don't think about it too hard, too. Don't don't overthink it. Just, just take pictures. You'll find out what works. Yeah. That's that. So a lot of trial and error. Just yes, fun. my whole life, like my whole art life, is trial and error. It's it's never figured out. Like, On regular life too. Yeah, of it's course, of course, yeah. of course. But like my my art practice is never just like this is it. This is how I do it all the time. It's always 
up to change. So that's awesome. Yeah. One thing that also got cut out, yes. which I, if you're comfortable yeah. talking about again, Absolutely. was the the consent when it comes to sharing photographs of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So oh, not... yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what we were talking about was perhaps doing a gallery opening and you said something along the lines of your ang- like being ang- anxious about it. And I had mentioned that were you more anxious for yourself or for your subjects? Mm-hmm. And you said that sub- being... Um, having your subject's pictures displayed would require another level of consent. Mm-hmm. So one, to ask them to take the photos, and another, mm-hmm. to ask them to be in the and gallery. That, and then actually another one on top of that, if the images are for sale. So selling oh. someone images is a, is a big deal. Mm. And that's and that's what I was talking about before when I said that I, I really hurt somebody when I didn't ask for that consent. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even bring it up or talk to them. I didn't even know what was happening, and I felt so terrible. And... Yeah, and they felt terrible. Like, I'm not centering my feelings, but, like, that was a really brutal mistake of mine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, asking people for their permission to show their picture doesn't give me anxiety because it's not, a, like, a, a hard thing to do to ask right. someone's permission. But what gives me anxiety about showing my work in a public way is, like I said before, like, <laughs> having an opening, and if no one showed up, I'd probably jump off a cliff. Like, I, I don't want that. Right. I don't I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be in a room with my work and with no one around me. I would I couldn't handle it. And, and that's such a like common insecurity for people. It's like what if nobody comes? Like that's probably where all my fear comes from and unfortunately it stops me. But also to to put on shows you need a lot of like resources and and access and and money and that's just not where I put my energy. I put my energy into making things and putting it on the internet for everybody to see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so how much maybe this is a question that doesn't like how much is your time worth in terms of like selling a photograph like if you were to sell um an eight by ten photo of someone with their permission how would you price that is mm. that a, a question you're comfortable answering it yeah i mean you don't, I don't have to answer it if you don't want to i don't even really know how to answer it because i don't sell my work okay. um I, I'm open to it. I don't sell a lot of prints. All of the money that I make um, as an artist comes from a lot of people commissioning me to take their portrait. Oh. And um, I don't sell the physical work. People will pay me to do a session and then they'll keep those pictures. And I'll keep them for myself too. But yeah, I don't sell prints to people, like third party people who are like, see a picture of mine and are like, oh, I like this photo of this person. Like, yeah. People don't often buy photos of other people that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Not, unless it's like a really like Nat Geo style. Like this is some some journalist shit. It's like the Afghan girl with the blue eyes. Right. Oh, right. Like, yeah. like that kind of thing. Like people buy that picture. But like, no, I don't think people are going to. I mean, I'd be super flattered if people bought pictures of the people I take photos of. And I think those people would be too. But yeah, that's not where my money's at. I wouldn't know the first thing about pricing my prints, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had once got a picture of Micah, not Micah, what's that? Boniface. Yeah, Micah oh, Visser. Oh, yeah. Micah Visser. Visser yeah. And I, it was before, it was like the pink room photo where oh, he's like so thinking. It's a great picture. And that photo was nowhere when I got it from the person who had t- taken the photo. They had like a gallery and I was like, can you pick out like four pictures for, he was throwing them in the garbage. It's like, can you pick out four pictures, like your favorite ones? And then, can I have them? He's like, yeah, sure. And he gave me that one. And it was so cool. And I, like, put it up. And then it was everywhere. Like, it was, like, the album cover and the yeah. thing and the whatever. And then people were like, why do you have a picture? And I was like, I didn't even know it was 
him. It was just like a very cool picture that I got, but it's really silly when people are just like, oh, what, like what? What is that? Yeah. She's like just the original photograph <laughs> that I didn't know. That's but I think it's like great to just like this is just like something that made me feel cool mm-hmm. and good, so I got it. Yeah. I think people should be more willing to have people pictures of people they don't know like more yeah no I, I i totally welcome people looking at my stuff and wanting prints it's just like it's so not my world i mm-hmm. would i'd love to get into it but yeah i i guess if i were really to price it it'd be like how much did the film cost how long did it take me to develop it and scan it and everything and then like plus a bit yeah so yeah. I, maybe yeah like a hundred dollars for like 11 by 16 or something right yeah. for a nice yeah. big one yeah. yeah cool cool um well, yeah, we're gonna wrap this we're up. Wrap it up. It worked this time. Worked. <sighs> Sorry for all the extra emotional yeah. energy. I it's okay. To I'm just sad because like there were some things that we talked about that I thought were really cool, but that'll just stay between you and I. Yeah, just like a good Instagram or no, a good <laughs> video that you didn't put on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. That you kept for yourself. Yeah. Personal archives. Yes. Yeah. Personal it's in archives. The yeah, that that's is. Right. That's so strange that that's what we were talking about that got cut out. <gasps> True. That wow. was just like that's just for us. <laughs> yeah, I like honestly, I just, we said that's just for us when we were talking about taking photos and keeping them for ourselves and not sharing them, and I'm like getting a little bit overwhelmed and like <laughs> emotional that that just like really happened, and I'm probably gonna. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm like starting to cry right now. This is the first time she's cried while doing the the exit. Yeah, I usually cry during, not at the exit. Okay, it's, let's go. It's special. Okay, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. Okay, ready? Thanks thank you. For, <laughs> thank thank you, you for cutting deep with us on Papercut Podcast. Thanks.